all. Hope you enjoyed the rewatch as much as we did. We are so excited to announce that starting next week, Tuesday, November 9th, we will be back to our regular bi-weekly schedule. We're going to kick things off by going through season two of the Netflix series, starting next week with episode one, Christy and the Snobs, before we dive back into the books. So we can't wait to see you all then. Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC. Generation BSC, as you probably know if you're listening to this episode, which is quite a ways into <laughs> our podcasting history, <laughs> you'll know that this is a Babysitter's Club reread podcast, but we're currently wrapping up our summer mini series where we talked about each episode in the Netflix series hopefully season one of the Netflix series. And we're up to our final episode in this miniseries, which is actually talking about two episodes of the Netflix series because episodes nine and 10 are part one and part two of Hello Camp Moosehead! Exclamation point. So we figured it probably made sense to just treat them as one overarching story, kind of like a super special, which I think is what this is based on. But Lauren, why don't you give us sort of the rundown of what the episode is, maybe what the book was, too. Okay. Well, I cannot help you on the book front because while <laughs> there's – I know there's definitely a camp super special. I do not remember any of the specifics. I don't even remember if it's called Camp Moosehead. Um, in fact, I have a note where – I know that it's not called Camp Moosehead. Okay. It's called Camp Mohawk, which was definitely yep. a good update. That is exactly <laughs> what I was going to But that's say. about all I know. <laughs> I was 100% I – I wrote down, hmm, Moosehead seems awfully convenient and lucky as a name for a camp from this particular series. <laughs> I somehow doubt that that is the case um, because there has definitely been some um, interesting uh, attitudes towards indigenous cultures um, in the books. And mm-hmm. I, I know that that continues as well. So, um, yeah, not surprising yes. to hear that. Um, so – while there is, we normally uh, up to this point have been talking about, you know, making some comparisons between the book and and the show. Um, it sounds like Kate that you don't have much more of a knowledge about this particular book than I do. So this is going to be interesting. We're going to be able to talk about this episode um, purely on its own merits as an episode of television. So uh, with that in mind, uh, Kate mentioned it is a double episode. So I'm going to give a very brief rundown reminder of what is going on. Um, the Babysitter's Club heads to Camp Moosehead for what sounds like the summer, um, although that's an unspecified amount of time. Um, so, you know, it could be two weeks. It could be two years. That's that We know how time works mm-hmm. in this universe. In any case, <laughs> um, the girls are obviously expecting to show up and run things the way that they normally do. Um, and a spoiler alert, that's basically how it turns out. Um, but it takes a little bit of time to get there. Uh, they are not rooming together. They're, in fact, split up into some unique combinations. Um, Christy and Stacy are boarding together. Claudia and uh, Dawn are thrust together. And Marianne is left on her own, which is, of course, her nightmare. Um, each of them find their own sort of separate plots to get into. Um, Stacy, we have the introduction of Lane, who we know from, from the books, to be her best friend from New York. And we get some resolution on that plot. Um, Marianne's love of theater, which has been a nice little through line throughout the, the season, comes to a head when she puts on a show and gets her showmance with Logan Bruno. Um, <laughs> Claudia and Dawn um, foment a revolution, um, which is sounds about exactly um, right for the both of them. Claudia being more just sort of along for the ride than, than Dawn, but um, very game to help out however she needed to. Uh, and last mm-hmm. but not least, there is Christy, who, um, in some very strange messaging, I-, I wasn't sure exactly what the show wanted us to get from um, her interactions with the camp director, Meanie. And Meanie, in particular, is kind of an interesting character. So I'm, I'm interested to see your um, your thoughts on her. But those are sort of the, the highlights. Um, aside from, and I can't forget some of our B-plots, we are introduced, um, well, reintroduced to Mallory. We met her briefly uh at the Boy Crazy Stacy um, in their Sea City adventure. But here she's a 
more prominent part. And we get to meet her and Jesse by the end of the episode. They have joined uh, as junior members. And then, of course, there is Karen, who I would not be surprised if this episode was sort of a proof of concept for a Little Sister spinoff to see if there's enough there there to maybe do. I could see them doing like a a, a 10-minute show or a 15-minute show like mm-hmm. kids kids version of of the little sister books um that I think would actually be really cute especially cuz Karen once again knocks it out of the park um so i there's simultaneously a number of strange things to discuss here for me from my perspective but also not um there isn't a ton of huge character development. Uh, this felt more, much more to me like, well, we've only gotten to one super special so far, but the super special we did do did have a very similar overstuffed, but undercooked feeling. Mm-hmm. If, if that's, um, probably the best way to describe it. So what about you? What were your overall thoughts on the episode? Yeah. I, I guess to reiterate that, I definitely got the feeling. I mean, they do treat the episode sort of like a super special, um, in that each of the girls gets to do some voiceovers. There aren't any additional characters that are doing voiceover like we saw in, um, babysitters on board. Mallory and I think Byron got to give some voiceovers and Karen. Here we just have our five main girls doing voiceover, which I think makes sense, but it definitely gives it that, that super special feel and it, really does feel like everybody needs a plot line because it's a super special, but nothing really happens. Or I guess things happen, but it all happens so quickly. Like like you were saying, we don't know how long this camp is supposed to be. It feels like it's about three days, but it's not. Like they, they definitely talk about the passage of time and like next week and this Friday and that sort of thing. So it's clearly supposed to be at least some period of time more than just like a couple of days, but it feels like a couple of days because they're all wearing, you know, Camp Moosehead uniforms the whole time. The girls have basically the same hairstyle for each of them throughout the entire episode. So you don't get any mixing up of the hairstyles, which you sometimes do, not sometimes, you do in the rest of the episodes to at least sort of indicate different outfit, different hairstyle. It's a new day here because they're just wearing the same things over and over. It's like, you can kind of tell because like some days it's rainy and some days it's sunny, but they look basically identical every single day and every time you see each of the characters. So it gets a little bit difficult to know how the interactions are going. You know, it, it seems like, you know, for like Stacy in particular, it's like they get to camp. She sees Lane working with Marianne. She gets upset. She joins the show play anyway. Lane and Stacy, you know, come to a head and they both get poison IV. And then the next day is the show. And it's like, okay, but that probably wasn't like five days. It was probably like three weeks or exactly. something like that. So it, it, yeah, it just, it gets, it, it was, I wish that they had done a better job of, indicating how long this was even if they said at the outset like we're going to be at camp for two months or whatever it is like we would at least have that to sort of let us know that they're there for a more substantial period of time um yeah i i that was sort of the the main driving force i i think you did a good job of touching on sort of the big high level issues um, I just had sort of a general question for you. Did you ever go to camp? Like, was this type of camp a thing that you had any kind of connection to as you were watching it? Yes, I did. Um, so I went to camp a couple of times, never for like a full summer. Mine were always only ever like a week. Um, but I went to a mm-hmm. couple of different kinds of camps. Um, and, and most of them um, like one, I went to horse camp because I was, as previously mentioned, a little bit, <laughs> in the words of Mallory, a little bit of a horse girl. Um, although I was, again, we had this conversation. You can go back and I can't remember which episode it was. But um, if you want to hear me wax poetic about my somewhat obsession with horses, um, I did go to <laughs> to space camp as well, which, again, was the coolest thing in the entire world. But a different vibe. Um, but the Girl Scout mm-hmm. camps that I went to did feel very much like this, like cabins, um, mm-hmm. bunk beds. Uh, like it did ha- very much have that feel, but I never had the like um, emotional camp that I went to each year where we had like friends every year, mm-hmm. like that kind of lore, the way that the, um, you know, this made me, it's, it's interesting. We pointed out that um, I don't even know if we mentioned it. I, we might have skipped over it, that um, Marianne and Dawn do the parent trap handshake. They perfectly recreate the Lindsay Lohan handshake earlier in the season Mm -hmm. when they're trying to get um, 
their parents together. Um, and that, that camp felt very much like this camp to me. And I, that yes. movie was seminal to me growing up. So I have this weird sort of blended sense memory of like camp movies and, um, oh gosh, Salute Your Shorts was always on as I, when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. and so like memory being the tricky bitch that she is, I honestly am not sure how much of my camp memories are like legitimate and how many are, have been colored by pop culture. So yes, and uh, I'm an untrustworthy <laughs> narrator. <laughs> so what about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the only camp I went to was a Girl Scout camp that was like 20 minutes from my parents' house growing up. And it was always only, I think it was like Sunday to Friday. It was on, it was always, you know, they, they, it went throughout the summer. And I think there was a couple of summers where I'd go like for two weeks, but it wouldn't be back to back. I wouldn't stay there for two weeks. You'd like go stay for the week, come home. And there was always like a theme, like to tie it back to the babysitters club. One, one of the summers that I went, I did like it was a, a focused on like babysitter training and we did like CPR and we did, you know, Heimlich maneuver and we did just sort of like learning how to diaper a baby and, you know, feeding and emergencies and, you know, pretty much everything that you needed to know to be a babysitter. And then that was like, I was able to say like, oh, I have all this training when I went back to my neighborhood to be a babysitter. So like that was the only real sense of camp from like real life. But same thing as you salute your shorts, um, uh, parent trap. Uh, otherwise known as Sheila the Great, like all of those things have like colored my thoughts on camp, but they weren't really my camp experience because it was always just Girl Scout camp for, you know, six days. Um, I always loved it, but it was not the same. I had friends that would do the like going away for the, the summer to camp for, you know, a month or two months. And it always was so like foreign to me aside from knowing it through pop culture. It was not something that I, that resonated with me personally. Yeah. And this was another case where I, I just found a lot of this episode kind of muddled. Like I couldn't quite tell mm-hmm. whether this was some kind of like family tradition or whether it was just like random, like because Karen talks about it and um, talks about Watson talking about it as if like all the brewers mm-hmm. had gone there and it's like they know these family stories and things. And then – um, Stacy makes the, and it could have just been her being glib, but the comment about their parents getting the same right. Facebook ads. But then, um, later, Marianne is talking to, or earlier actually, Marianne is talking to Lane about the curse as if she expects Lane to know all about it. Like, isn't that something everybody in this camp knows? So I like, I wasn't really right. clear what level of, like, is this a camp that, like, blue collar, or not blue collar, that, like, white collar families send their wealthy kids to every year or is this like some kind of like a more middle class um endeavor because the the socioeconomic aspect of it was very strange as well mm-hmm. um and i don't i don't know if if we're ready to to move into that yet but um the whole thing just seemed like it it seemed like it was trying to be a couple of different things in order to serve a couple of different plots. Um, and it just made it sort of hard to figure out exactly what was supposed to be happening there. Um, like was Meanie, is Meanie supposed to actually be terrible? Was she the bad guy that they had to rail against or was she just misunderstood? Like it didn't go quite far enough in any one direction for me. Um, and I don't know if that was just a, a, a function of my expectations being off because there were a couple of times where I totally misread what the, where the show was going. Like early on, the first time I watched this through, like when Karen went to the woods and they opened the cabin, like I fully expected, I made it, had even made a joke um, in, in my notes about how, oh, they're going to open the door and she's sitting there full on having tea with like a sweet old lady who lives in the woods. And they like, I was th- I was envisioning like the <laughs> the magical bird lady from Home Alone 2. And then when they opened the door, I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, she that's not what this show is. It's not some magical realism thing. Right. And I did, but I fell victim to it again later in the episode because obviously as an adult, I had clocked that Meanie was constantly, you know, going after her jaw. I was like, oh, she's got some kind of pain there. And then when she said I'm going to the dentist, I was like, oh, watch, she's going to come back and it's going to be so nice. And it's going to turn out it was just her toothache that was making her miserable. And like the fact that the kids called her Meanie was a like, um, was an oxymoron kind of like when you call the big guy little. Um, and I'm like, again, no, that's, it's not that kind of show. It's far more grounded than that, which I normally appreciate. And 
I, I don't know. Something was just kind of missing for me here. I, I, I'm sad to say I was really kind of disappointed in this as a finale. Yeah, I it definitely felt like they were trying to serve all of the storylines they could think of related to camp. Because on, on the one hand, it's like if this was a camp that, you know, was, you know, generations of these families had been sending their kids there, like, it would seem like, you know, Christy and Marianne and Claudia would have you know, known all about this camp, known everything, known how it was going to work, but they don't. But then, you know, Karen, like you said, talks about sort of, you know, the history and Watson telling her all about it. And But then there's also the socioeconomic issues of, you know, you can only do the, you know, the quote unquote cheap crafts if you don't pay a bunch of extra money. And there's all these extra day trips and you can't do horseback riding unless you pay extra. And it's like, well, then clearly this isn't the, you know, the rich people camp or exactly. you know, however you'd want to describe it. Because if this was the rich people camp, you would just pay a lot of money and be able to do everything. And no one would be going without and there wouldn't be – you wouldn't have the opportunity to have the entire storyline with Claudia and Dawn about the crafts and the arts classes and, you know, trying to do something that's free and for everybody and, you know, for all the activities. And if it was – they're trying – it felt like they were trying to have it both ways mm-hmm. and, like – that's you exactly, you know, because on the one hand, you can't have the one story with, you know, additional pricing and add-ons while you also have the camp that's for, you know, the blue bloods and aristocrats that have been coming here forever. So, yeah, I, I think your your description of it being muddled, I think, is pretty spot on and perfect because it, it really did feel like they were like – okay, each of the girls needs to do something and it has to be at camp. So what can we have each of them do? And they had good ideas, but they didn't all work together, unfortunately. So I, I going back to the character of Mimi, I think she was most frustrating for me. And I, I don't think it's any, um, it was not the fault of um, the actress, Tammy Sager, who is, I, I actually mm-hmm. really enjoy her. She's a, a very funny comedian. I thought she was funny in the role. I just, they just mm-hmm. needed her to be different things to different people at different times. And they needed, right. because they needed the camp to be different ways. It made her look really bad at her job in a way that I don't think that the show wanted you to believe that she was. Like, first of all, are, is, is that a real issue? You know, camps having different experiences based on your different social strata? Absolutely. Do I believe that camps make it that obvious to the kids what's happening? Hell no. Like anybody with just right. an iota of intelligence would set things up in a different way so that maybe some of the older, more savvy kids might get an inkling, but it's not like, okay, go buy a sweatshirt for 50 bucks. And if you don't have $50, tough luck. You have to sit there and watch the other kids do exactly. it. Like, th- yeah, it, that's completely unrealistic. Unrealistic. And then and I guess I was just going to say it, it seems hard for me to decide whether or not we're supposed to believe she actually likes kids and likes her job. Because late in the episode, Christy is saying, I know you just want camp to be the best. And I'm like, is that true? Because to this point, we have seen her shoot down everything and not out of like, hatred for kids the way I first thought, but like, but definitely out of apathy and a desire to avoid liability more than anything else. Like mm-hmm. it just, it, it was a sort of odd, like if you're going to make her the villain who is like, has been there for 30 years and just now hates kids and like lean into that. And that's something to fight against. But this sort of weird um half uninvested like I, I know that they were trying to say that she had other things going on with her tooth but even when she got back it wasn't like she was all of a sudden super invested even at the end she's telling mm-hmm. them you know like go go bug those counselors in training but literally it seemed like no one at that camp gave a shit about being there like who was supposed to be working or were actively mean again we have another well i guess was that arts teacher supposed to be a teenager i was unclear like if she was a counselor if she was an adult there was I couldn't really quite tell what age she was. She seemed more like an adult. I, but either like way, she was in charge of like all of the arts related stuff. But yeah, even worse than how unnecessarily mean she was to like the world's saddest extra child who like, I don't have $50. Mm-hmm. She was like, well, then tough. I was like, well, okay. And then you can color. Yeah. Like what? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that was like, that was the, as you started transitioning that, that was the next thing I was going to talk about is, like, Meanie seems like she hates kids. 
The arts and crafts can- counselor seems like she hates kids. The other counselors, counselors in training, whatever those like older teenage kids are, they all seem like they don't want to be there. They don't want to be counselors. They don't want to be around children. They hate kids. Like the camp seems like it sucks. Like Christy shouldn't be the one trying to like amp everybody up about archery and about swimming. Like that's the ca- the counselors in training or the actual counselors. Like that's their job. And like, I'm sorry, if I were a, let's say, like, 17, 18-year-old kid and I needed a job for the summer, if I didn't want to be a camp counselor, I would f- try to find something at least in a place that had other things to do. You know, presumably yeah. they're in the middle of nowhere at this camp. So it's like – it's not like you're working – you know, because, like, there's a lot of shitty summer jobs and there's a lot of shitty summer jobs in – places where you actually have access to your friends and your family and restaurants and movie theaters when you're not working. 100%. Why you would go be a camp counselor when you don't want to be there doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So I just, as we're talking about this, I was just sort of struck by something and I realized it's, I, I, I think I figured out what the issue is, at least for me, is that the show is is actually setting it up that the camp is supposed to be bad and the girls are therefore completely in the right for the way that they're acting to try to make it better. Mm-hmm. However, the issue is they're kind of nightmares. Um, and, like, I, I, can you imagine if, if you were actually just trying to do your job and Christy Thomas kept, like, barging into your office every 10 seconds <laughs> telling you that how you did your job was wrong and she, a 12-year-old – should um be in charge and tell you know take over for things um i i like in real life that would 100% be like no no thank you i would kick them i would kick them mm-hmm. out of camp as soon as possible as well um so i think that maybe i'm just reacting uh, the fact that they tried to make it more realistic and less cartoonier or Disney Channel kids plotty Hannah Montana e the way that we've been discussing means that we now have to look at the girls through that more realistic mature lens as well and some of the ways that they were acting is pretty terrible um i was in particular mm-hmm. a little um a little not a little a uh, very um distressed by the um s- supposed resolution of the Dawn and Marianne situation in which Don was like, oh, so this theater thing is so important to you. That's how important this protest is to me. So what's important to me trumps what's important to you. I, they both like, mm-hmm. I, it just would seem like such an odd resolution because what they both came to is what we're doing, we believe is the best way to help the camp. It's super important and super passionate to us. And then Don's conclusion was, well, obviously, because it's important to me, that's more important than what's important to you. So... I win. Um, and that, in addition, that felt weirdly false because, because of the timing related issues, like we were discussing earlier. All I could think is, why does the show have to be right now? Like, why wouldn't Marianne say, okay, we're going right. to pause the show in protest and with everybody else and then we'll do it, you know, next week or whatever, once we've made some changes? I, I don't understand. Unless, like, camp was over the next day, why, why it had to be right then, um, other than to drive this. Well, except that we know it's, it's not, it's not over because exactly. after Meanie comes back and everything is resolved, they get to put on the show three days in a row. So it's like, clearly there are other times. And also, no one was using that theater. Clearly, when Lane and Marianne walked in, it was a dump. It was still kind of a dump by the end. So it's like, it's not like they're taking space away that has to be used for something else. So, yeah, why why couldn't that have been the resolution? Like, you know what, Don, this is happening now. I understand. I appreciate. Like, I re- this is really important to me. But like, we'll put it on hold for now. Like you said, we'll do it. You know, tomorrow, next week, once we've figured out things for all of the activities, instead of it being like, okay, well, we're both going to do our own thing. But Don's protest is so loud that we can't put on the show. So, well, I guess we'll go be supportive. Right. Like, I uh, I think it would have been a great thing for Dawn to say, okay, I can see how important this is for you. I'm going to commit to if you join our protest and and we, um, you know, take care of the most pressing need first, then I'm going to commit to helping you with yours. Um, Because Mm -hmm. in in fairness, Dawn's 
cause is probably more, you know, social justice-y, more important, if you will. But again, but it's not. It, arts are important. That Marianne made a great point that that's how she's, you know, trying to make the world a better place and, and that they are bringing different things to the table. So um, it just, it, it seemed like they were like halfway there with it. And then I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just sort of, I, I it left a bad taste in my mouth about Dawn, who up to this point I had really enjoyed. And I think I just struggled because for me, a lot of what Dawn was doing um, had good intentions. It, it, I think it genuinely did come from a good place, but it also was very much about her and her leading the charge and, and what she was passionate about and the injustice that she saw. Um, and and I, I think that's pretty common when you're young. Um, but I wish mm-hmm. that there had been at least someone, some character to point out a little bit, hey there are other things in the world to be upset about as well. And the own, it's not just the causes that you have identified as meaningful being meaningful, if that makes sense. Yeah. I I think that makes sense. Well, and it, it sort of is in line with, you know, she comes to camp and she says she wants to do morning announcements. So she'll have a platform for all of her, you know, thoughts and issues. And it's, bef- that's before she even sort of identifies anything specific. And we, we do know, you know, from the whole season that she does feel passionately about certain things. And she is that, you know, activist person and takes those, that position on or that role on. Um, but it, yeah, it definitely seems like she was sort of on the hunt for something that she could be. That's exactly how I described about. it. Yep. That she was, she was looking for a cause. Yeah. And I, I think that, like you said, it does sort of, go against what we've seen from Dawn, particularly in the the show that we've been watching. And, you know, she is always the most supportive, the best friend to all of these girls. And for her to – and obviously that doesn't mean she always has to put herself second, but she knows how important this play was to Marianne in particular. So for her to sort of brush that aside is surprising. It's It's a little bit out of character. That she wouldn't at least have that conversation that we've been talking about, that she would just automatically assume her position is more important and she needs to, you know, continue and can't even sort of take anyone else's thoughts into account to have a conversation about it instead of just taking a stand. Um, Along those same lines with uh, relationship conflict and good conflict, I think that was, like I said, I think it was set up to be a good conflict and one that makes sense and one that actually Mm – um, I can see is very realistic and, and happening between real people and how to deal with that. That just the ending, or it just, I think it was, it suffered because it was stuck in this overstuffed episode. And I think along those exact same lines is the um, relationship stuff with Stacy and Lane. I was excited that we got to see Lane. However, I am a little disappointed that she got sort of just shoved into this super special because especially um, considering that the degree of the bullying that Stacy endured and Stacy genuinely believing mm-hmm. that Lane was the one to at least sent, if not initiate, but forward that video. That's a whole lot worse than being mean to her in the cafeteria. And yes, it like, I think required a lot more nuance of conversation than when, what we got here. Uh, and again, largely because of time. Like, can you imagine if we had a whole episode? where the girls went to New York and we had the the whole Lane episode and we got to see Claudia's reaction to Lane and, and all of those great things that we got in the book. I I, I love that we got to see her. Um, I thought that was a nice nod, but I, I wish, I mean, I guess we don't know that there's a season two. I'm, I'm presume I'm acting as if it's obvious that there will be um, because right. I, I want there to be so bad, badly. Um, but I, I wish that that had been held for a hypothetical season two to just to give it some more, space um because there was no mm-hmm. again i just felt like the the resolution was very rushed uh, but i really liked the girl who played lane yeah i i loved this version of lane and how she played her but i i mean i definitely second exactly what you just said we got such a quick resolution to everything and you know given what we talked about in the truth about stacy and you know how much more extreme things were for stacy when she was leaving new york you know with a viral video of her actually going into diabetic shock and the fact that her best friend was part of forwarding it around as opposed to in the book where you know she sort of shuts lane out and lane you know stops wanting to hang out with her stops talking to her because she doesn't know what's going on. She thinks that Stacey's just trying to get attention. That felt much more, 
easily overcome maybe mm-hmm. or it's just it and the fact that we got multiple books before Lane was more fully accepted by the rest of the babysitters club i think really helped show that progression and show that growing relationship and you know cuz we see you know in truth about Stacy is when Stacy and Lane sort of make up and they come back together and they were starting to work through things and then you know when when Stacy moves back to New York and then the girls go to visit her and you've got Claudia sort of holding a grudge because she's jealous but she's you know saying it's because of the the bullet not bullying but the the sort of fight that they had before Stacy left but here it's like it's it's bad you know yeah. like she was in a really really bad situation and it wasn't that Stacy was you know hiding anything it was that she sort of pulled away and didn't want to share anymore because Lane had already done this thing that was so awful mm-hmm. and terrible. And for her, for Stacey and Lane to sort of get over it by watching Days of Our Lives for an afternoon after they both have Poison Ivy, and for Marianne to just be like, oh, it's, you know, it, it's your Lane. Oh, I, I guess I'll cancel the show. Oh, no, you know, Stacy, you know, obviously doesn't really want her to go through with it, but she's not going to tell her friend not to do something that she's so passionate about. And so the fact that it's just so easily like, you know, Marianne's just like, okay, Lane, let's work on this show together. And then Stacy and Lane just like get over things by watching Days of Our Lives. It's like, but what she did was really bad and it's not something that should be overcome in an afternoon so i i kind of got from the conversation that we're supposed to believe that she didn't actually forward the video that when she was like i swear i didn't um but i was just upset because you were avoiding me and you shut me out um but uh, up until that point up until they have that conversation we are we do believe that that happened and i had that same Mm -hmm. thought about marianne as well i was like marianne like, you, even if she did continue to go through with the show, like, I can see that that would might be a good source of conflict and like, but that that should be a, a much bigger mm-hmm. plot line. How to navigate that with Stacey. Are you really okay with this? Have, feeling um, uncomfortable about Lane, but she doesn't seem to have any reaction to Lane at all. Like, if I knew that at that point, if I believed that they had cyber bullied you to that extent especially as a 12 year old where my emotional maturity was zilch um i mm-hmm. would have been brutal to that other person I, and marianne was just like okay treating her like a, a good friend and like are we supposed to believe right. that makes her a good person or a bad friend like that's what i mean about just being unclear about what people's motivations are what the, what their calibration is supposed to be um because there's so much going on i think mm-hmm. yeah it's hard to have the focus or the the characters don't feel like themselves because there's so much that has to happen in these two episodes to complete the story arc with everybody having a story arc that the characters get a little like the episode itself a little muddled they're not necessarily acting in a way that makes sense for their character and i think there's at least maybe when we were talking about a book or one of the other episodes of the show you know there are instances where these girls act what seems like out of character Mm -hmm. but in context it makes sense and here they're acting out of character and it doesn't make sense in context, like they're just doing things sort of because the story needs them to, as opposed to because there's a reason internal to who they are in this situation that would make them act in that way. Yeah. And that makes total sense. Um, it wasn't all doom and gloom, though. I thought that the episode as a whole was a lot of fun. Um, Karen in particular, I know I've mentioned her a couple of times, but she really was a standout through these two episodes. Her her entire curse obsession, um, the level mm-hmm. of drama and flair she brings to every scene, um, the way that like she narrates her own life. Again, she would be a nightmare person in real life, but in the amount <laughs> – they use her in the exact right amounts in this show for me, where she is mm-hmm. um, fun and always, always welcome and usually elicits a laugh but not over-relied on. Um, which is a delicate balance to, to, to tread. So I'm really, I, I, in this episode in particular, like I said, if they were using this as sort of a, a backdoor test pilot, a little sister series, I would be on board for that. I could watch it, you know, a weekly 10 minute mm-hmm. little, even like a web series of the misadventures of Karen. Yeah. I would, I would be all about that. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. 
Did you have anything in particular that you really loved? So I, I mean, you, you sort of touched on the fact that we get much more Mallory and we're introduced to Jesse. Um, just have to reiterate how much I have come to love Mallory, mm-hmm. even in the books. But yes. show Mallory and show Jesse, like, they're the cutest. Mallory is the biggest nerd. Like, she starts singing into the woods when they go to yes, look for Karen. I and I was like, that. I feel mm. that so much. And, you know, she she knows how to, you know, read a map and Christy's shocked that, you know, she's, you know, sort of a wilderness person and Mallory's response is that she really identifies more as a horse girl, but there's a lot of overlap. Like, Mallory is pretty great. I, I like, I, I mean, I know we've talked about this in the books too, and, you know, we've, we've really given Mallory short shrift in our memories, but she's a solid character and I really love show Mallory as much as I've come to love book Mallory. I think I love show Mallory even more. And I, I really hope there's a second season because we're going to get so much more of Mallory and Jesse and the two of them together. We don't get a ton of sort of Jesse by herself, but the two of them interacting is great at the end of the episodes when, you know, Christy invites them to be junior CITs and to join the babysitters club as junior members. And, you know, they both know what the babysitters club is obviously. And Jesse's like the babysitters club, you guys are world famous. And it's just like, it's so cute. And they're so great. And like when they all go to like run and take the picture together and like, Jesse and Mallory like hop off their picnic table and like run after the other girls and there's like, you know, getting together like, oh my God, I can't believe we're in the babysitter's club. Like it's, it's just so cute and I love them and I can't wait to see, I can't wait, hopefully, to see more of them together with the rest of the babysitter's club and, you know, sort of change up that dynamic in a second season where we get to see the seven of them and, you know, the interplay between among all of them and between Mallory and Jesse in particular. I think I, I'm really looking forward to that. And I really hope we get the opportunity to see more because, I mean, as much as this episode maybe hasn't had as much that we love as in some of the other episodes, like these characters really have yes. become, you know, so the show versions of these characters have really become their own thing. Oh, and yeah, totally. as much as we love the books and we'll continue to talk about the books, like, the the show versions are now like a separate universe and I want more of this universe too. Cause I, I love the, that we've been able to have these conversations, you know, comparing and contrasting the plot lines and also the characters and, you know, with the changes that they've made to some of the characters for the show, you know, how that impacts the stories and the interactions between the girls. And I just want more. <laughs> I agree. I could not agree more. And especially about the Mallory of it all. I When she busted out into the woods, I mm-hmm. immediately had a – I was like, oh, soul sister. We are the same. The one thing I do want to touch in with Mallory – or with Jesse is – well, there, there are two things. So I'll start with the, the good part. I thought that this was a case of them doing a nice job of, of introducing a character who is obviously intended to become more important later. Like, I think it would have mm-hmm. been a mistake to um, leave the first season without introducing Mallory and Jesse entirely. Um, as junior members of the Babysitter's Club, because as we discovered in our, in our reread as we're going through, that plot point happened m- far earlier than I recalled in the, you know, right. in the history of the club. So I think it, it would have been a mistake to, to not include them in the series at all. And in a 10 episode season, there isn't really a spot for them to have their own episode in this one. We're still getting to know the main girls. Um, so I think it, it, this was a nice way of introducing the characters, giving you a little taste of them, of their interaction, letting you know that they're going to be a part of the club. And I fully believe and trust that there are, are absolute plans for, you know, a Jesse episode season two to, to learn more about her, a Jesse and mm-hmm. Mallory adventure, etc. Um, the one Definitely. thing I, I do want to mention about Jesse, um, and it's really not so much about Jesse. It's more of a, a comment about Netflix. Um, so there has been some disappointment, uh, leveled online about the casting for Jesse. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I have I've read is that the the actress who plays her is also biracial. Now I have not been able to confirm that. I don't know that in particular. In fact in IMDB it says her mother is African American and her father is British. I'm gonna assume that they mean white British, but British does not mean white. So I that could be mm-hmm. I don't know is what I'm saying. I did do a, I did do a quick Google search and, and was not able to confirm that. So I don't feel comfortable saying that with authority that the actress is, is indeed 
biracial. However, undisputedly, she is also rather light-skinned, um, and that colorism has been a pretty consistent complaint leveled at Netflix um, across the board. Uh, so Netflix does a pretty decent job with representation, actually. They've, they've done a number of things that are pretty commendable, some of them that we've talked about in the series. Um, but one thing that has been... Um, there's been some discourse around and something that has been starting to gain some notoriety is that um, oftentimes the people of color that they cast, particularly the women of color, um, are very light skinned. Um, and mm-hmm. Jessie, her um, blackness is a major plot point in the books. Um, again, how well they handle that is obviously why we're here. And one of the things that we talk about constantly over the course of this podcast. Um, but I think it is a missed opportunity to not cast a darker skinned actress in that role. Um, not only to create some representation there and to, and to be more inclusive, but also to provide some um, contrast with Marianne's experience with her racial identity. Mm-hmm. I think that would be, it give some really interesting plot points and insights that they could have, you know, gone into in when they get into those things. Um, because I, I, again, having trust in how well that this show has been overall and just how much we've loved it. I know that they're going to do a great job with that episode um, or at least really dig into it in a, with a lot more nuance and depth than they did in the books. Obviously, even just the fact that yeah. it's 30 years later, that's going to happen anyway, but especially these showrunners and, and the, the care and attention that they brought to so many of the topics like we've discussed, um, even when we're, you know, finding things to quibble with. Um, uh, mm-hmm. So again, I just something to think about. I think it's something interesting to keep an eye out, to look more into, to maybe be aware of. Um, to be, I'll be honest, it was not a conversation about Netflix that I was had a lot of familiarity with until um, it, I started reading about it with Jesse and was, became aware that it was a larger problem. Um, so I think that mm-hmm. that's that's a perfect example of um, you know ways in which that I'm constantly unlearning. Um, unconscious bias and, and unlearning racist ideas. Right. Um, so I, if hopefully this was brought to somebody's attention, um, and hopefully we can learn from a little bit more on, and hopefully we have people who are listening to us going, yes, dumbasses, welcome to the party. So, <laughs> right. um, because it's where the party gets better one, one dumbass at a time. So, um, uh, but overall, uh, my feelings about Jesse and Mallory were overwhelmingly positive in this episode. And Mm -hmm. to the point where it just made me more excited. I was like, I just want more of you guys. I can't wait to, to see how that all plays out. Getting a little bit more of Vanessa Pike was really nice too. Uh, Her, uh, I love that they Mm -hmm. kept the rhyming. Um, It was another perfect example of one of the things that this show did so well throughout the season um, that I don't think we did quite enough job highlighting because it, it is does tend to be more of the like random thoughts than the big picture stuff. Um, but how many small nods they had to the books um, and, and like that her Vanessa rhyming doesn't add anything to the plot. It's not a major thing. Wouldn't stand out to anybody watching it for the first time without any knowledge of the books, but as book readers, that's such a, um, iconic piece of that character that it, it's mm-hmm. just such a, a little nods like that are, have been really, really lovely and really go back to, um, the level of care and love that this creative team has for this show is just so fantastic. Yeah. Although I was a little bit disappointed when, when Christy and Mallory and Jesse are, you know, starting to go after Karen. Um, and Mallory says that, you know, she knows how to help and it's, you know, it'll, I'm sure it'll all be fine because, you know, Byron runs away sometimes. And it's like, no, Nikki runs away sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Byron hangs out with the other triplets. What is happening right now? I'm sure, I mean, for all we know, Byron does run away in the books too, but that's definitely been more of a Nikki thing. And I, I, I think it was, it maybe is more just a reference because, you know, we had more focus on Byron in the Boy Chrissy Stacy episode. Yeah. So maybe it was easier to reference him as opposed to her saying Nikki. And if you don't read the books as closely, maybe you don't remember that Nikki is her younger brother. Um, but I, I just, that was one thing that sort of jumped out to me, like, wait a minute, <laughs> as, as good as you guys have been about those little details, like that one didn't seem quite on. I was absolutely the person who didn't remember that it was Nikki and not Byron until just now. So yeah, that worked on me. <laughs> um, and I, and I do think you hit the nail on the head by saying that they ascribe that to Bri- Byron because we already met 
Byron earlier in the season. Um, and, and that just mm-hmm. to me seems like a storytelling 101 type of deal, tie it to the character that we already know and not a random sibling who we've exactly. had no interaction with. So, um, aside from the fact that it worked on me, I'll let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there wasn't a ton of fashion in this, um, in this episode, since as you mentioned, they are in their moosehead uniforms quite a bit. Um, but we definitely had some girls bring their own flair to it. Did, was there anything that stood out? I mean, obviously the biggest one was Claudia. When they first show up to camp, she's got these like burgundy platform suede boots, which are maybe not the best choice for camp when it's rainy and muddy. But she's got her lemon earrings on. She's got these big oversized sunglasses. You know, she says she's got her camp look and Stacey loves it. Christy is like, your glasses are too big, as always. You, you look know, like, like a bug. Just not getting it. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, well, it's fashion, Christy. And you, you're right at home in your gray sweatsuit here. So maybe, right. maybe leave the fashion to Claudia and Stacy. But yeah, so I mean, that, that was sort of the, the biggest thing. Christy does whip out her trusty orange visor at one point, which is obviously very on brand for her. Is it orange or is it red? It's like reddish orange. Okay. Exactly. The only other sort of fashion-y thing of note for me is the fact that almost all of our main five girls, except for Christy, of course, spend a lot of this episode or these two episodes with their hair in like pigtail type braids or half up, half down situations, you know, braids, ponytails, where it's, you know, the part down the middle, hair on both sides. It's all very cute. And they're, they all have different hairstyles and it all fits with their personalities and their sort of sense of style. But the fact that it's all, you know, the two, two braids, two ponytails, whatever, it was just sort of, Interesting. Like when they show up to camp, everyone except Christy has two. I didn't even hear things. I, however, you want to describe it. That's interesting. That's why I'm the fashion girl. Yeah. <laughs> I did like, I did note that Dawn's little, um, like, uh, I don't even know what to classify them as those like mini braids at the top of her head with the rest of her hair down. I thought those were super cute. Yeah. That was a cute look. I was trying to figure out how to do it because I want to do that. I think it's like, mini ponytails that are like twisted back into the next one so it's kind of like a combo braid multiple ponytail situation interesting i'm gonna have to do some playing around this weekend while we have we're as a sort of i guess spoiler for everyone listening we're recording this right before labor day weekend so i think i might use some of my special special i think i might use some of my extra time this labor day weekend to figure out how to do that with my hair because i really liked it as well fully support fully support that decision. Did you have any other sort of random one-off thoughts about the episode before we start to wrap up? Um, Yeah, actually, I did um, have one really nice note about Claudia's character development. I love that um, we saw her go from early in the season where she was just painting um, candy because she liked the colors and thought it would be fun to do this that shape, um, to really knowing Mm -hmm. about art and like talking about art in a much more educated way and, and talking about a specific natural artist and what the point of his work was. And I thought that was a really lovely um, small beat of character development mm-hmm. uh, that, that was, that was a really nice touch that, you know, Claudia didn't have, like I said, a ton to do in this episode. She was more there as a support. Um, but uh, I, I love that she got that moment to to shine. And I mean, she gave up art camp to be with the girls. And I, I think she was really mm-hmm. sort of an unsung hero of the finale. Uh, we didn't talk about her a lot, but she um, was, I think, low-key wins Best Babysitter. Oh, definitely. Yeah, she she was supportive of, you know, Dawn's crusading, but also being the one sort of doing the – quote unquote, free art class, you know, she, she had the idea, she knew what she wanted to do. She took charge, she, you know, organized everyone and was super supportive of what everyone else was doing in the episode. And I really, yeah, I really loved Claudia in this episode as, as understated, like you said, as she was, she really, she was a solid foundation for this episode that didn't, it wasn't quite as glitzy and glamorous, but she was MVP for sure. My only other thought was more about myself. So when, you know, Marianne gets into her bunk by herself, she's hanging up her her Hamilton poster next to her bed. And the other two girls in the bunk are looking up at her on her top bunk, hanging it up with these like withering glares. And Lane comes in. We don't know that it's Lane yet. And, you know, she talks about 
She's seen Hamilton multiple times, not count, you know, like three times, not counting the time she saw it at the public. And I was just like, oh, God, who's this girl? And then she talks about her dad being a Broadway producer. And my thought the first time that I watched it was, wait, Lane's dad is a Broadway producer and like didn't even have a thought that like maybe this is Lane. Oh, that's so like, funny. It was just like, that's such a random thing that they would have this one like one off character do. And it's like, oh, no, that that is Lane. Oh, and see, Duh. I immediately <laughs> knew it was Lane. The minute that she said her dad is a producer, I went, I did have the same thing. I went, oh, Lane's dad is a producer. And then when Marianne was like, um, do you know my friend? And then immediately backtracked and never actually said her name. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it, th- this is Lane. One hundred percent so i was excited uh, about that but i can see why you wouldn't because she does not look like the lane that's described in the books at all and she doesn't act like that's very the the book lane um and and again again in a way that i think was a smart update they made her more of a theater kid Mm -hmm. and less of a um to me she more read like a the kid of a wall street snob in the book you know, mm-hmm. whereas even theater producers, well, I guess it depends on the producer and, and whether they're a money producer or a hands-on creative producer. But um, mm-hmm. it sounds more like they're hands-on creative people. Uh, so this version of Lane makes a ton of sense to me anyway. Definitely. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And it was interesting when when I watched the series again a second time, you know, for more detail and critical analysis. When you watch The Truth About Stacey and you they show the video of her going into diabetic shock, Lane is in that video. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I love when stuff like that happens. Yeah. And I, so I, obviously you don't know that the first time around and it's, it, it's not like completely obvious. She doesn't like look right in the camera or anything, but like, knowing who she was by the end of the series or by the end of the season, going back and watching it again, it's like, oh, that's Lane. She's right there. I love that. That makes perfect sense. But first time through, there's no reason that you would have any idea who that is because there's a bunch of other kids in that shot. But the fact that you now know who Lane is when you watch it again, it's a little like Easter egg, which I really loved. I love that. And and I didn't I did not catch yeah. that. So thank you. You're welcome. Now you know for the next time you watch through. Which um <laughs> I yeah will definitely be happening again because even like watching while explicitly taking notes and like pausing and writing things down and like it's mm-hmm. it, it, watching disjointed in that way, I was still in tears at the end of this episode a couple of different yep. times. That scene with Karen just oh tugged my heartstrings. Them recreating the photo from the back of the book, um, just really Loved that. Really just set the waterworks going. I really, for as much as yeah. uh, we are quibbled about things about this episode, as far as just enjoyable television goes, I enjoyed the hell out of every single one of these episodes um, and can easily mm-hmm. see this being a go-to, you know, Saturday or Sunday afternoon, easy wallpaper television, just feel good, um, drop in and visit with with these people. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I actually, to talk sort of touch on what you were talking about with, you know, the acting and the little moments that made you cry, I have to give a huge shout out to Shay Rudolph, who plays Stacey. Mm-hmm. The the scene where Marianne and Lane are holding auditions and they're sort of wrapping up and Stacey comes running in like, oh, did I miss it? Did I miss it? And, you know, she goes from, you know, sort of flustered, excited to try out to recognizing Lane. The way that she says Lane and her face sort of falls. Yeah. But you can tell that she's trying to stay strong. Like that moment, I I just like burst into tears. But she was just so great. I mean, I know we we've talked about how great all of these girls are, how the entire cast is. They're they did such a great job with casting, but that moment in particular, over the entire first season of this show, I I just major kudos to her because she did such such a great job in, you know, five seconds. I mm-hmm. you know, the sort of transition from you know, excited and wanting to try out to, you know, the the worst thing that's ever happened to her being sort of thrown back in her face unexpectedly and seeing that she's working with Marianne and then, you know, trying to be strong and then still try out. And uh, I just loved it. I, yeah. I mean, I, we've said it. We love the whole thing. But that that moment in particular, I, I couldn't let us end this episode without specifically calling that out because it was just so nice. Uh, yeah, I loved that whole scene. I thought... Um, that she played all of that as for as rushed as that conflict was, um, the emotional notes on it, I think rang very true, um, in terms of the acting. Definitely. Okay. So any other final club business? We do have just a little bit of club business before we wrap things up. We have officially reached the end of our Netflix summer mini series of special episodes. 
Uh, we have had so much fun talking about the show and just clearly loved every second of it. But we're equally excited to get back to our regularly scheduled episodes. That said, we have decided to take a short break. So we will officially be back on Tuesday, October the 6th with book 21, Mallory and the Trouble with Twins. Now, it has been many moons since we made our initial predictions for book 21, so we thought we'd give ourselves and all of you a quick reminder by dropping in what we talked about on our last episode. So enjoy this mini flashback. All right, so let's talk about Mallory and the Trouble with Twins. Um, I will start by saying um, up until about two seconds ago, I was assuming that this was about um, her family, and then I realized, nope, those are triplets, not twins. <laughs> so I don't have um, the slightest clue what happens in this book. So I'm going to make something up. Um, Mallory meets twins. And they decide to mess with her. They're, she's babysitting them and they like change clothes and like pull pranks on her by switching places. And she likes it. I don't know. Got nothing. Okay. Well, I'm just going to read what my notes say because it's sort of in the same vein as what you just said. Um Okay. I don't think I've read this one, question mark. Um, I'm assuming we get a new family with twin girls and they are some kind of trouble for Mallory and the Babysitter's Club. Maybe they switch places or pretend to be each other to confuse people. I feel like twins that are trouble in shows or movies usually have a secret language or something, so maybe that happens too. Ooh, pig Latin. Yeah, yeah. like like they – yeah. I, I feel like I feel like twin girls I, – I don't know why. I think – I didn't even think I looked at the cover of the book. My guess is it's girls. I just feel like Mallory babysitting twin girls seems very like on brand for the next book yep. for whatever reason. And I feel like when it's like, you know, eight year old twin girls in anything pop culture, aside from The Shining, <laughs> it's I was like, just gonna say. <laughs> I feel like it's always like the way that they are trouble is like, they have some secret way that they communicate with each other and they use that to like play pranks and not pranks like Betsy Sobeck, but like to, to trick people and sort of put them on edge and make them feel uncomfortable because I, I, I don't know why I would think that twins are like that, but, but no, like pop culture twins right. are always like trying to pull one over on people. And I don't, I feel like that's what's going to happen. And you know what? The more, you were talking about it and I, I'm like thinking about it and processing. I it, I think some of it's coming back to me. I think you're right. I think it is twin girls. I think they are, it, it's similar to the pranks um, in that they're, they're pulling them. But um, whereas Betsy was just like wanted to, she thought she was having fun. These girls are like actually mean spirited. Mm -hmm. I think if I'm not mistaken, they're a little bit older, like, and I, I maybe they even have some resentment about being babysat specifically about Mallory. Um, and I do think you're right. They have their own language. And I feel like she gets back at them by talking pig Latin. Like, and then, and they oh. don't know that. And they're like, oh, well, and she's like, dose of your own medicine. Um, like picking up tricks that she got, like she works with the triplets to help her. Like, how do you handle twin stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, but I could be filling all of that in, in my brain. I have no idea. I so. feel like consulting um, with the triplets is a, a good, a good thought. I think that that would make sense and would be reasonable. Okay. And it would add another layer of story to the story. <laughs> That's true. So we'll see. I, I don't know. Trouble with twins doesn't imply a more juicy topic, but who knows? We'll see. It, we don't tend to get too fluff in a row. We, right. Usually we get like, I, 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 I don't know, I guess maybe two to three Meteor books than a fluff, two to three meteor than a fluff. Yeah. I Although we didn't that think that we were going to get Jesse's racism book in Jesse's secret language. So Very for true. all we know, there's going to be some, some crazy out of left field messagey issue. You're right. That comes up. We'll just have to read it and find out and discuss this one with all could of be you the one next week or two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so any for other, all we know Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, for all we know, this could be the book where they get into um, the genocide of the Native American people. Like, we, for all we know, uh, total left turn. Um, yeah. Sorry. No, I don't have anything else. I was just being a, a, a brat. Okay. 
So with that, I'm just going to remind everybody where they can find us. Um, you can reach us on Twitter or Instagram at GenerationBSC, through email at GenerationBSC at gmail.com. Um, we would love to hear from you. Um, you can also rate and review on um, iTunes. Now that you've heard all of our thoughts on um, the series overall, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Okay. So I guess with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this final episode in our Netflix mini series is now adjourned. Say hello to your